0: They score! They score! Welcome to God's Playbook with your host, Father Rico Passero. A 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Touchdown! Let's play ball. Friends, we continue our study of the Mass, and over the next three days we're going to study Eucharistic Prayer 1, also known as the Roman Canon. So I'm going to break this up into the next three talks, today, tomorrow, and Thursday. So let's delve into the first of the four main Eucharistic prayers. This is the oldest and most well-known of the four Eucharistic prayers. It's the longest of the four, and once again, as what I'm so moved by in our church is the history of it. This is the most ancient of the Eucharistic prayers. The others are based on this one. So we call this Eucharistic Prayer 1 or the Roman Canon. So we had just studied that we finish with the Holy Holy and our posture has changed. We go from a standing position and now we enter into one of the most solemn parts of the Mass and notice our posture changes so we kneel. Kneeling down suggests The humility that each of us are experiencing As we prepare to have the Holy Spirit come upon the gifts of bread and wine And transforming them into the body and blood of Jesus Not a symbol, but a reality And so, everybody but the priest kneels Now you say, well, why doesn't the priest kneel? Is it because he's holier than us? And the answer is no The priest is acting in the person of Jesus Christ, persona Christi. That's what the priest is, in the person of Christ. So you'll notice that the language that the priest uses is also, this is my body, this is my blood. The priest doesn't say, this is Jesus' body, this is Jesus' blood, okay? So the reason why he's not kneeling is he's acting as Christ. So Christ wouldn't kneel, just like when you stand before King Charles, you're to bow or curtsy. Um, King Charles doesn't kneel in front of you. He's the royal person. Um, So how much greater God is? That's why the priest doesn't kneel. But we will pay attention to one point where the priest will genuflect and we'll come back to that, okay? So the position of everyone should be kneeling. Now again, if kneeling is not a possibility because of your uh, personal health situation, then you can remain in the pew and have your head bowed. That shows the same reverence if your body does not allow you to kneel because of, you know, knee issues or leg issues, etc. So let's pay attention to the first part of the Eucharistic prayer. The priest standing has his hands extended. And once again, this is called the Oran's position, where you'll notice his arms are out in an open form. And the palms of his hands should be facing up as he lifts the prayers of the people up to God. And he says these words. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices. Let's pay attention to the language. So, of course, the prayer is directed to the Father through Jesus, and we ask that the Holy Spirit come upon these gifts. So his hands go from that oran's position, that open position, and you notice that his palms come down upon the gifts of bread and wine, and he makes the sign of the cross with his right hand over the gifts. Bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices. This shows to us that we are giving to God what God has asked us to give. And that is the use of bread and wine. The use of bread and wine goes back to Jesus' time at the Last Supper, where he invited the disciples to do as he had done. So the church, for the centuries, has done just that. Okay? He once again offers... His hands in the extended position, or the Oran's position, and continues on. Which we offer you, firstly, for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world. So this shows that we are offering layers of prayer within the Mass. So first and foremost, we are praying for the universal Catholic Church. And this should inspire us to realize that whenever we pray, we are praying in a global fashion, not just in a personal way. If I just say my own prayers, that might be personal. But at the Mass, we are called to pray for everyone. So this Holy Catholic Church, be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world. So we are praying for the global church. Then the prayer goes on to say, together with your servant, Francis our Pope, and blank our bishop. So depending on what your bishop's first name is, that name would be slotted in here. In my diocese, it's Gerard. So we always say Gerard our bishop. In your diocese, your priest would say whatever the um, bishop's name is, and they always use the first name, not the last name. And all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. So again, we're seeing in some aspect of the hierarchy of our church. We pray for the Pope, we pray for our local bishop, and all those who hand on the faith. And so this once again shows that the faith has been passed down through the generations, and it comes to us from Jesus Christ through the apostles. So the richness of this part of the prayer signifies the history, and the succession that we celebrate in our church. The priest then says special prayers for those who are living. He says, remember, Lord, your servants. And then he's to pause. Now, the struggle with the English language is when we hear the word remember, we might think of remembering like in our minds. Remember my birthday because I expect you to say it. Remember who won the Stanley Cup last year. That's very important. Remember, remember, remember. Remember to take out the garbage. No, that's not what we're saying here to God. God doesn't forget. The word remember when it comes to Scripture, remember your mercies, Lord, suggests bless us with your mercy, Lord. So when we ask God to remember, Lord, your servants, what we're saying here is bless your servants. Okay? So this is for the living. So when the priest pauses, we're actually to pray for those who are living so we can pray for ourselves and our loved ones. As pastor of a parish, it is my responsibility to always lift the people of my parish in prayer. So that's where the pastor privately prays for his own parishioners, let alone his own family members and people that he holds dear as well. So in the pause, friends, whenever the priest says those words, lift to God those who are living. We're going to come back to those who have passed away in a little bit, okay? So again, remember, Lord, your servants and all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you. So it's showing that all who are gathered here at this mass are remembered in prayer. And also all those who have been lifted in prayer by those who are praying are remembered and blessed by God too. But notice how it says, whose faith and devotion are known to you. This suggests that whether we look pious and holy or whether we look like we couldn't be bothered to be at church, although hopefully you're more of the former rather than the latter. If you're the latter, friends, what's wrong with you? Snap out of it. This is the most important thing you're ever going to do. But nonetheless, regardless of how we look, God knows the human heart. So we're recognizing that only God knows the level of faith and devotion that each individual person has, okay? Then we go on to pray, for them we offer you the sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them for the redemption of their souls. How beautiful, right? This idea of praying at Mass is asking for God's blessings for themselves, those who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls. What this allows, too, friends, although it isn't to get others off the hook, is that I can even pray for my loved ones who are not present. Perhaps they're sick in a hospital bed or homebound. Perhaps they've fallen away from faith, or they're stuck at work and can't get out of work. This is an opportunity to lift them in prayer with us as we pray as the communion of saints. What it allows us to do is it brings us some solace and peace for those who have not joined us at the altar that day. For the redemption of their souls. So it's showing that it is mass where we invoke the mercy of God that we have redemption for our souls. Then the prayer goes on to say, In hope of health and well-being, And paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. Homage is a very important word in the scriptures. We hear this word. The Magi knelt down and paid him homage when they visited Jesus in Bethlehem. In the Acts of the Apostles, the people tried to kneel down and give St. Peter homage. And Peter said, no, only God deserves homage and praise. So homage is given to God alone. So this recognizes that at Mass, the first purpose of Mass is to give homage to God, to give reverence to God, the eternal God, living and true. This also shows God that has no beginning and no end, that is very much alive and is the only true God. So again, within the Eucharistic prayer itself, it also gives special character traits to God that we profess to be true. Then the prayer goes on, in communion with those whose memory we venerate. So this suggests people have passed away, and we get into what's called certain saints, or what we call the litany of saints. It begins, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. So we respect Mary. Why? Because of who she is and what she did as part of God's plan. So we start with the most important person of the saints, and that is the Blessed Virgin Mary. And then we go through a list with Saint Joseph, her husband, your blessed apostles and martyrs. So the apostles are the first 12 and the martyrs, those who first spilled their blood for the sake of the gospel. And the church invites us into this important list. So as you hear the list, you're going to see first it's the 12 apostles And then some of the first martyrs and saints of the church, okay? So it begins with Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude. So these are the 12 that Jesus chose as apostles, and then St. Paul's name is included as well. Then it goes on to the saints of the early church. Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmas and Damien. So these are the saints of the early church. And then we conclude with, and all the saints. We ask that through their merits and prayers, in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. So once again, friends, this is so important for us to identify the fact That we rely on these men and women who are not perfect, who've been through the trenches of life, who have sought holiness and attained eternal life. So we don't give them homage, we only worship God. But we ask the saints to be prayer warriors for us, that they intercede for us, that by their example they help us to grow in holiness. So we only give praise to God. But these are some of the men and women who we ask their intercession to help us as a positive role model in our lives. So again, by their merits and prayers in all things, may we be defended by your protecting help. Who are we talking to? God. It is only God who protects. So again, this short litany of saints helps us to call upon the saints to pray for us, the church. Then the priest goes on to say, Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family, order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Very, very beautiful here. So again, Lord, accept this oblation of our service. We are in service to God, that of your whole family order our days in your peace. So signifying that we are asking this to come upon everyone, not just selfishly, ourselves. And that we be delivered from eternal damnation, closely linked to the Lord's prayer, right? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So again, all the parts of the Eucharistic prayer are biblically based. Encounter among the flock of those you have chosen. Think of the beautiful imagery that Jesus gave us as the good shepherd while he was preparing his apostles, his first players, to be able to be his captain and assistant captains and to inspire the rest of the world to buy into his plan, not for the winning play in football, but rather for the gift of eternal life. Then the priest goes on to a part of the prayer in which his hands change position, Once again, now his palms face down, as he brings his hands not in an extended position, but upon the gifts of bread and wine, as he says this prayer. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, this prayer, be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering. The priest is doing nothing on his own. He's calling upon the Holy Spirit. We call this the epiclesis, the coming down of the Holy Spirit upon the gifts of bread and wine. That is what transforms them into the body and blood of Jesus. This is not hocus-pocus or magic, okay? So that it becomes spiritual and acceptable, the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as his hands are extended above the gifts, we recognize that it is no longer the prayers of the people, but it is the work of God. So whenever you see a priest's hands out and his palms are facing up, then he is lifting our prayers up to God. Anytime you see a priest's hands facing down, then it is God coming down upon you, his people, or upon the gifts on his sacred altar. So this is the first third of the first Eucharistic prayer, the Roman canon. And this is all so powerful and beautiful that it is showing us gathered as the communion of saints, joined with those already in heaven, And those who await the kingdom as we are linked together here on earth, in purgatory, and in heaven. So the mass is what links heaven and earth together. And so I pray that this first part of the study of the first Eucharistic prayer helps us to come to know God more and more. So for today, friends, let's continue to reflect upon this first part of the Eucharistic prayer, and I look forward to unpacking the second part uh, tomorrow together. Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Mass. We thank you for the gift of the Eucharistic prayers in which we hear those beautiful and powerful words to have your body and blood be that of a transformation and to help us to strive for holiness. For God's Playbook, friends, I'm Father Rico. God loves you and so do I. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting us using any of our affiliate links in the description below via Budsprout, Ko-Fi, or GoFundMe. Thanks and God bless.